Welcome back to the Ball and Breakfast podcast. I'm Patrick Miller alongside Wayne Pua, giving you guys another rendition here. Uh, we are getting closer and closer to finding out who's going to be in the Super Bowl. Uh, we will break down the AFC and NFC uh, championship games coming up this weekend. Um, we'll also, uh, you know, just touch on what's what's recently happened with the White Sox and their starting pitcher Mike Clevenger, uh, who's been finding himself in the news for not very good reasons. And, uh, you know, if you guys are listening to us right now on YouTube, uh, throw us a, a subscribe, you know, comment, like, uh, we appreciate really all your feedback. If you're on Instagram, you know, follow our stories, you know, give us a like here or there. Uh, any comments there are also great. And, uh, yeah, reviews anywhere else, Spotify, Apple, Google podcasts, it's all appreciated. Um, so thanks for tuning in with us and, uh, keeping up in general. Uh, but without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Wayne, uh, talk a little bit about, you know, our first matchup in the NFC with, uh, you know, the Eagles and the 49ers uh, coming up here in Philadelphia. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Pat. Um, yeah. So, well, well, first off, too, I do want to say that I was correct in uh, all the wild card round, actually. So uh, kudos to me. And then I also did a parlay and I made a couple bucks there, too. So. Uh, very, very excited about all that. Um, you know, uh, come to me for all your sports betting wagers, but then don't break my legs whenever I'm wrong. So uh, the Eagles, I think this will definitely be a great matchup. I think with the Eagles and Niners, they're kind of similar teams, I would say. Like they uh, they both have really stout defenses. Both can run the ball. Uh, both are like top in, in the league in terms of like turnover differential. Um, I think for the key thing for this game is – you know, quarterback play and, and coaching overall in, in, in game planning. Uh, Purdy just does not make mistakes. I think that's been his big thing. Uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, we, we, we think we've talked about it before where the Eagles, they, you know, when he's playing, they're a different team because he can make some plays both on his legs. Uh, he definitely has the wide receivers and the offensive line and you know, even the, some running back help there with Miles Sanders and uh, Scott. So, you know, this team is, these are probably two of the most like overall complete teams uh, just with really great defenses. So uh definitely like this matchup that, you know, I definitely called it, it uh, called for this matchup uh, for the NFC championship. Um, but I am going to pick, stick to my pick with the Eagles. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, I think is the key differentiator here. Um, really like what I saw, uh, saw from him, you know, in the, in the regular season uh, and even the playoffs too. And then also that defensive line, I don't know. I'm not sure if that's getting talked enough. Uh, 70 sacks uh, this season. Uh, I think the record was the uh, is it the 84 Bears, I believe, or 85 Bears um, with 72, and that was you know uh, with a 17 game season. So this being 18, uh, but yeah, they had 15 more sacks than any other uh, any other team uh, in the NFL. So uh, you know the the Niners, they're definitely have a good pass rush there with Bosa and such. So, uh, but I just believe in this this. Eagles defense, I think they are not getting it as much appreciation uh, from the media that I think they really deserve. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with the sacks that they're generating, that pass rush, as well as their secondary play uh, with Bradbury and Slay. Like those two cornerbacks this season, probably like one of the best combos out there. So, um, you know, as much as I guess I like to you know, maybe cheer for the Niners, I'm going to have to pick with the Eagles here. So, but yeah, what do you think, Pat? I don't know. That was a pretty good breakdown. I, I feel like I was going right into the quarterback play when I just look at both teams because they are really fearsome on their D lines. Uh, I think they lead with their defense as, as great as, you know, Philly's offense has been all year with Jalen Hurts. It's just like, I think about their defenses first when I think about both teams. And uh, the only thing I would say that I felt was a little bit different was that in this game, and it's not his fault at all because he's not even played a full season in the NFL, but like Brock Purdy, came off to me a little bit more as like a game manager against the Cowboys. I wasn't seeing, you know, he didn't pass for any touchdowns. He didn't make any mistakes really in the same sense. Like, was he a game changer? Was he, you know, a true factor in that game or was he more or less just like dishing it to his like killer weapons, like all game. And like when you have McCaffrey Kittles, you know, Debo, like you can't get like a better trio of, uh, of playmakers than that on the offensive side. So, uh, you know, at this point, we've got four teams left. So it's kind of like we are – these are the teams that I wanted to see in it for the most part. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk a little bit later about the AFC. But, uh, no, just for just for this game, I feel like these two teams match up so well um, on both sides of the ball. 
I just look at kind of like the quarterback play and Jalen Hurts, you know, really look comfortable, calm uh, for somebody who, you know, hasn't had a lot of experience in the playoffs, hasn't hasn't had a lot of experience in the NFL for that matter, but truly looked like an MVP with his legs, with his arm. You know, he made no mistakes as well. And, uh, you know, like you're saying, that that defense is just suffocating. You've got, you know, Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick, uh, you know, Brandon Graham, uh, Javon Hargrave. And it's like, even their backups are like, you know, pushing on like, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say Hall of Fame stats, but like a lot of all pro type guys. I mean, like Linvel Joseph and, you know, Dominican Sue and Robert Quinn. Hey, like just hanging out there like the Bears, you know, single season sack, uh, you know, King. So it's kind of like, you know, they just go so deep and uh, even like CJ Gardner Johnson just being back as a safety is huge for their secondary. So it's like, man, they just have, uh, you know, just so much going on on both sides and they're going to be at home and, you know, they just crush the Giants. That wasn't even like remotely close. I mean, I think everybody wanted to turn it off in like the second quarter. So um, I think with that, I feel like, you know, you did a really good job at setting up. That's kind of like, I guess, my takeaway. Well, thank you. I don't know if there's anything else to say about that. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's like, I, I want to see Brock Purdy succeed. You know, I think he's got a good future. It'll definitely be, I think, an interesting, uh, you know, situation that they have next season, right? I, I think there's going to be a lot of fun there. Uh, with like, do we go to the, the, the talented uh, Trey Lance, uh, who has had glimpses here and there, but like nothing like with what Brock Purdy's done, actually. So, which is kind of astonishing, but yeah, you know, this is the playoffs, man. You're you're going against the best teams out here. Um, you know, the coaching there it's that, it's going to be intense. So, that being said, it's like if the Niners if Purdy can make a couple plays here and there, if you know, Kittle can break one or Debo can break one, uh McCaffrey, again, they have so many weapons there. If they can just break, you know, uh a, a couple big plays here and there, um yeah, this could be an an interesting game if they can, you know, create turnovers. Again, these are two of the best uh, turnover differential teams. Uh, if, you know, the, the Niners can win that battle, then, you know, they, they, that, they can definitely, uh, you know, compete in this game for sure. But yeah, uh, like, like we've all been saying, this pass rush team, man, it's, it's amazing here. Robert Quinn, yeah, that, he, he <laughs> broke the season, broke the Bears, yeah, single season sack record, what, last year? And it's like, yeah, no, backup? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. No, it's just crazy. And like, yeah, maybe we should uh, not be so agreeable. Maybe we should be more like Skip and <laughs> Shannon. I think they're probably getting, uh, you know, the most eyeballs out there in sports right now with all their antics and stuff. But uh, no, just generally, I think, uh, I think, I think we're both pretty much in agreement here. Eagles uh, will beat the Niners. I, I expect it to be a competitive game too. I don't see any sort of landslides here. But uh, moving on to the other matchup in the AFC, and uh, you know, should point out that that Wayne. Uh, got all the uh, divisional round matchups correct in our predictions, uh, which kind of set up this game because he and I went back and forth on the Bengals bills uh, game in our last, uh, in our last podcast, go check that out. If you're uh, you know, on the interwebs, but uh, yeah, I mean, Cincinnati came into Buffalo and just completely outclassed the bills uh, on both sides of the ball, 27 to 10. Uh, Josh Allen didn't look like a threat. Neither did Stefan Diggs. Um, and yeah, the Bengals were just absolutely cooking from the start. So, uh, I guess now, uh, heading to Kansas city instead of, uh, you know, this alternative site in Atlanta that was uh, supposed to do this bills chiefs, uh, AFC championship game, uh, will now, will now be kind of a repeat of what we saw last year in the AFC championship. So, um, Wayne, uh, what do you want to say about this one? Yeah, no, I, right before this, I, I reviewed, um, you know, the, the games that the Bengals have beaten the chiefs, the previous uh, two games, uh, you know, the one, one time this season, about a month ago, uh, and then the AFC championship game last season. Um, and I think the constant theme I've been seeing, at least with the Bengals and how they kind of stack against the chiefs, uh, both games, they've, they won the turnover battle. So, you know, that tends to always happen you know when you win the turnover battle usually yeah you, you the odds are that you're going to win the game um and they've also been able to get pressure on Mahomes uh at least more pressure than say the Chiefs being able to get on Burroughs so um I think that uh this game it's going to be you know who if if the Chiefs are able to win those battles uh in the trenches right kind of old school in that sense so uh if the Bengals uh, are able to control the clock run the ball. That's another thing too. Watch chances of Mahomes, you know, getting some big plays off of um, them. Um, 
and then yeah just the mistakes that i think i remember the afc championship game um i think it was uh they had a chance to get a field goal right at the end of the half there uh but then they, they passed it to hill uh, kind of in the flat and uh the Bengals were able to tackle him and they weren't they weren't able to get three points from there uh as time expired so like uh, things like that i feel like the, the chiefs they're gonna have to play a pretty clean game overall right because uh, they've made mistakes in on both these two games so if they can limit turnovers you know get some pressure on burrow uh yeah you know maybe get some turnovers there and win the turnover uh differential battle there um you know and then that really sets himself pretty well, I think. You know, Mahomes, this is probably, you know, I think I've talked about it before. This is probably one of his best seasons yet. And yeah, he didn't have Hill. So it's like, you know, uh, just don't hurt yourself, I think is my biggest takeaway there. And then, you know, uh, and I think hopefully good things will happen there against the Bengals. But yeah, just play an overall clean game if I'm the Chiefs. But I think, you know, I've picked Bengals here. Uh, they are my Super Bowl team pick. Uh, I think they'll be able to get some pass rushes uh, onto Mahomes, and he's going to you know, make one or two mistakes, but I think that'll be it. Um, but yeah, what do you think, Pat? Yeah, I mean, I think even going back to last week's uh, review of the divisional round, when you talked about the Bengals beating the Bills, you talked about them going to the Super Bowl. It did make me stop and think, like, why Why do we slight them? Like, why, why didn't we give them the credit they deserve for going to the Super Bowl last year, for beating the Chiefs? Um, and kind of coming back with a top five uh, rated pass rush and, you know, looking at their quarterback, their weapons, like you look at any other team around the league, it's like that stacks up as good, if not better than most teams, like looking at the bills versus looking at the Bengals. Like I think Burrow and Allen at this point, it's probably a little bit uh, just from the recent victory, like maybe uh, inching a little bit in Burrow's favor. You look at the wide receiving cores, like I trust, Chase, Higgins, and Boyd more than I would Diggs and Gabe Davis and the other cast of characters. And it's just like the running games is like no contest. Like Joe Mixon is an absolute stud. And, you know, they are down a couple linemen. I think Kappa um, as well as Williams like will be on their way back. I know Williams had like a dislocated kneecap. Kappa, I believe, is like dealing with a sprained ankle. But, you know, so is uh, Patrick Mahomes. And, and he said he's ready to play. So it's just like I think with all that, just looking at the Bengals first off, it's like, they win this game. They are the new best team in the AFC, like hands down. We're not talking about it anymore. And we got to start looking at Burrow as the best quarterback in the NFL, especially if he can just win, you know, the Super Bowl uh, beyond that, which would be a challenge no matter who he faces. But um, I think that's the first thing. And I guess uh, one, one funny thing, at least about the Bengals was, I think a, a, a person from the press asked uh, Burrow today, like, hey, uh, did you say that like, I'm him, you know, <laughs> like in a, in a reaction to like recent media after the game is like, I think I kind of blacked out there for a moment, but if I did like, you know, you know, it's pretty funny, but I just think like, you know, he, he has a lot of confidence and you mentioned that last time, but like he backs that up. Like, it's not just like him being cocky. Like he's truly like turning into an absolute stud and like pretty much ice cold type, uh, type of veins type of character guy. Like he's not, he's not worried about the moment. So It'll be interesting to see him go into Arrowhead. I know they've won three in a row. Patrick Mahomes is like dealing with that ankle. He said he's good. So I expect him to play. Like I think everybody does. He'll get, you know, some uh, Toradol in his ankle and he won't feel a thing like going into the game or whatever. But like, yeah, I, I think this comes down to like, they're both very complete teams. I just see the Bengals having like the better defense and they've won three in a row. So there is some sort of like mental game advantage there you know, could four times in a row be, be possible? Like, absolutely. And like, I want to give the chiefs the benefit of the doubt here. Like they have enough resolve here to like stop that streak, especially at home in this kind of game. But like, man, my gut's just telling me like, go with the Bengals. So I'm going to like <laughs> go with you there as well. Uh, I didn't really want to, but I, but I, I really would be fighting myself if I, uh, if I pick the chiefs just to like, you know, go with a, what a lot of the analysts are saying. Like, I think analysts are still talking more about like how, how much better Patrick Mahomes is than Joe Burrow. But like, this will be a very, very like interesting game and the outcomes will be pretty telling. Yeah, no, for sure. I, yeah, it's, it, you made a, you know, you definitely made some points. I think yeah, with, um, you know, the biggest weakness that I think we everybody was talking about with the Bengals last year was their offensive line. Right. And it definitely has been banged up. Um, but I, I think, the one thing that, I, you know, we've been seeing and, you know, the Chiefs actually have a pretty good 
damn good pass rush. I think they're top five, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of sacks at least. So, um, and Chris Jones, he's a stud. Uh, but yeah, they they've lost to them two previous times. Uh, Burrow, he gets the ball out fast. I think that's like the one thing. It's like okay, great, you don't have an offensive line, right? But hey, if 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 you can't get sacked in like less than two seconds, which is you know where he gets the ball out of basically, um, and he does it really accurately to wide receivers that get open that get open pretty fast because they're really talented. Uh, wide receiver is probably the best uh, three wide receivers in the game, right? Um, so you know, with all that added, it's like, great. You, you, you the offensive line, they just got to like nudge the person in front of them, like once or twice and pretty good. So, um, yeah. And the chiefs, uh, I mean, they're secondary. They've, I guess, improved a little bit, uh, from maybe compared to last year, but they're still young, uh, still have some rook- rookies there. So it's like, I don't know. I, I, I don't necessarily uh, feel confident against them. Uh, again, with against these three type of you know, top tier wide receivers, that the Bengals have. Um, and yeah, it's, it's hard for me. I really like the chiefs actually. I, they have a great YouTube channel. I don't know if anybody has watches the chiefs YouTube channel, but they have an amazing, uh, uh YouTube channel actually. So, uh, and I, I like, I, I like them as an organization, uh, you know, going forth, uh, it'll be interesting if they do make any changes and if they are able to just play a clean game, I mean, hey, they have Matt Nagy now, right, at quarterback coach. So maybe that'll help something this this time around compared to last year. But yeah, it's. I think the one thing is though, yeah, it is hard to beat a team, you know, multiple times, right, <laughs> over the course of like a year. So if there's anything that maybe the Chiefs and the Chiefs have a great, you know, coaching staff, obviously with Andy Reid, um, you know, maybe they do figure some things out and make things a little bit easier for them. So, um, but yeah pulling for the Bengals here you know at least that's where I'm putting my money on and you know uh yeah should be an an interesting I guess Super Bowl you know for my pick I guess with you know Bengals and then yeah Eagles yeah one other small note but it's just uh you know kind of thinking about like who's more hungry I mean I think Patrick Mahomes is like trying to chase like all-time great and I think he's you know obviously probably got like Brady's Super Bowl you know wins record in his head but in the same sense, you know, the Bengals coming back from a pretty sour loss in last year's Super Bowl and just haven't really skipped a beat from regular season all the way through the playoffs right now. I just feel like they're going to be so hungry to just like prove all the doubters wrong and just go into Arrowhead and then, you know, eventually uh, meet up with whoever the NFC uh, rep will be in the Super Bowl and just and just take them down. And uh, we'll we'll get there when we get there. Maybe we will have that. uh you know, Super Bowl prediction type video or, or what have you. But uh, yeah, man, I'm just excited to see what what will actually take place in this game. Yeah. And one more thing about uh, I I really liked uh, Cam Taylor Britt coming out of college and he's performed really well. Got that last interception there to basically seal the game uh, for the Bengals, uh, you know, uh, pick, picking off Josh Allen. Uh, there, so uh, just want to give him a shout out. Hopefully, if you're listening, Cam uh, Taylor Britt, just wanted to give you a shout out. But um, really liked what I saw out of college, and he definitely has stepped up his game. I think uh, in the NFL here, so uh, someone to keep an eye on. And I think they're the Bengals secondary is better uh, this season. I think Eli Apple has played actually overall better um, than he was uh, last year. I mean, it's funny is that people like threw him under the bus, right? I think when he was playing against Cooper Cup. Um, and it's like, he's going against Cooper cup, like the guy that literally broke like all the wide receiver records, um, last year. So like he's burned everybody. So it's not just, uh, Eli Apple there. Um, but yeah, Apple's played overall, uh, overall, I should say, yeah, uh, just a, a better playoffs. I think this season. And then, yeah, Cam Taylor Britt, Dax Hill, they're just a better team right now. So a lot of exciting things I think for them, but yeah. Yeah. And looking at the stats, you're right. Um, the Bengals allow the fifth least amount of rushing yards and the chiefs are at number eight. So it's not like there's a huge gap there and you know, their defensive line is pretty stout for the chiefs, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to make sure we, we covered that. Um, so I guess with that, um, you know, we'll see how these matchups go this weekend. Uh, we'll be sure to report back uh, either through the Instagram channel or in, you know, some sort of subsequent episode, but uh you know, moving on to our second topic, uh, looking at what's going on in the Windy City with the White Sox. You know, this has been a very uh, painful offseason, I would say, for for most of us fans, just in terms of kind of what maybe we're expecting from a team that's currently in their title, you know, window, uh, if you want to call it that. I mean, we haven't really shown much in the postseason as of yet, but 
you know, kind of thinking of where the core is, where our money is and everything else like that. I mean, a lot of excitement going into, uh, you know, this winter and trying to, you know, shed what happened last year. And, you know, with that, we signed Mike Clevenger uh, to a one year, $12 million deal starting pitcher for the Padres uh, previously with the Cleveland guardians uh, was an absolute thorn in our sides uh, as an AL central foe. But, uh, you know, he's, he's been in the news recently. I'm sure you've all seen it. Uh, you know, there's a, a girl, um, you know, I, I can't, can't call him, uh, his wife, but uh, a girlfriend of his, uh, Olivia Feinstead, uh, has posted a lot of content on Instagram, kind of detailing their relationship, um, a lot of domestic abuse that has taken place both in their relationship and in Mike Clevenger's uh, other uh, girlfriend's uh, relationship. And he has kids with both women and uh, apparently has abused both, uh, both physically uh, and also mentally, emotionally, and as well as uh, with their children, uh, his children. So um, just a lot to kind of look at, to think about, to unpack when you kind of read through what um, Olivia posted on Instagram. Uh, check it out if if you can, it's available on Instagram for anybody in the public, but just a series of accusations on each one of her story uh, posts. And then um, she also shared uh, direct messages from women that have, you know, dated Mike, known Mike through the past. I mean, talking a lot about his drug use, his temper, uh, his abuse overall, physically, mentally, emotionally, et cetera. And, you know, as, as far as reaction goes, uh, the MLB, you know, said they're gonna they're gonna look at it with their domestic policy, um, you know, uh, coverage on domestic violence uh, as well. The White Sox said they're gonna look into this situation, um, you know, comparing it to the Trevor Bauer situation. They put him on, you know, immediately uh, some sort of immediate administrative leave, but the same hasn't yet taken place with Mike Clevenger. So there's been a lot of pushback um, in the media that have covered this topic so far, uh, the Chicago outlets, as well as, uh, you know, David Sampson's uh, podcast on CBS. So I guess with that, um, you know, kind of first looking at what the situation was um, and, you know, in whatever kind of detail we want to cover it, but, you know, what is your first kind of initial gut reaction to, to kind of what you heard Wayne, both, you know, for Mike, uh, you know, for the kind of women involved in this situation, then ultimately, like, what do you think will happen as far as this kind of all playing out with, uh, with the White Sox? Yeah. So, um, yeah, first off, uh, yeah, like, you know, uh, domestic abuse in any really capacity, whether emotional or physical, yeah, it just doesn't have any place, I think, uh, in our society. So, uh, that being said, then, um, I guess my second thought would be, we could have signed Johnny Cueto. Like, I think that was, <laughs> that was the next thought. It was like, yeah, we had no problems there. And then, yeah, he had a decent ERA for us last year. He was one of our best pitchers. So, um, and could probably got him for cheap and, or less than Mike Clevenger. I think, what, we paid like 10 mil or something like that this season. So, kind of on a flyer. Yeah. So, I think those are my second thought. That was like my second thought there. But, um, you know, I think going forth, though, it's like, you know, first off, I hope the White Sox, they do a little bit more, I guess, uh, due diligence in terms of trying to figure out if <laughs> we ought to be taking these pictures here and there or do, do a, little, a little bit more on the background checks uh, and then, you know, just getting to know the players a little bit more than, and then before signing them and things of that, things of that nature. At least that's what you would think, I guess, in terms of a world-class organization, how they would kind of do that due diligence, if that makes sense there. So, um, but overall though, yeah, I, I do like how you compare it, I guess, to the whole, you know, Trevor Bauer situation, um, you know, if we're going to treat, you know, Trevor Bauer, you know, but banning him basically, right, for an entire season or two, right? It's like, how are we going to handle, you know, this this situation, um, Mr. Manfred, uh, with Clevenger? Uh, you know, I, I, I do believe it's like early in the allegations, but you know, this is pretty, this is some nice evidence, I think, that this uh, Olivia Feinstead has, I guess, you know, with regards to Mike Clevenger. Obviously, Mike Clevenger denies it or his team denies it, so... Um, but you know, like, again, it's like, how, how, how do these players, I guess, find themselves in these types of situations often? And then, you know, how are the White Sox going to be dealing with this? Good that, that they're having him on some sort of leave. Uh, but yeah, overall, I'm hoping that, you know, in the future, they just do a little bit more better due diligence in terms of, you know, giving these contracts to these players and then not getting Johnny Cueto, ah, and all that in the future. So, yeah. Um, I guess the first part of it, um, you know, kind of looking at 
just overall reaction. I think it's really inconsistent with what happened with Trevor Bauer. I think that Bauer, in his case, there were pictures that had gone viral that were just pretty appalling. You know, uh, black eyes, uh, some pretty heavy damage uh, to the woman that was, you know, reporting these allegations. I think immediately the the amount of shock value that it that it kind of caused around the MLB and you know, around the mainstream media, I think that was like really hard for them to kind of just let them take their time to do the due diligence to not do anything with Bauer first. And I think that's like when they immediately put him in leave, that was like, okay, we have to just put him there first. So we have shown that we've actually done something and then we'll go about you know, finding out what this case might be. I mean, Bauer had a long rap sheet too, of just, you know, being a bad teammate, being kind of, uh, you know, uh, up and down with his mood and kind of his personality and stuff like a very tough guy to kind of figure out. And he may have some stuff there mental health wise. It's just like, you know, you don't know the full picture, full story, but in the same sense, like he's always kind of been an outcast in the game. So I think in like in a lot of ways, like people were just glad to see him like outside the clubhouse and like, just like this guy's been sidelined by the league and, you know, we'll keep it at that. Um, Mike's a little bit different, but in the same sense, uh, there were whispers that Olivia had made uh, mention of this while he was with the Padres. And it was like slowly and surely like leaking into like, the MLB and like those channels and stuff. And like, it didn't really all start to hit the fan until like, obviously a couple of days ago now, but it's just like, you know, looking at the pictures, you know, it's not, it doesn't like carry as much shock value when you see the markings and some of the scratching it was still like, obviously terrible, but in the same sense, it's just like, it doesn't captivate you in the way that like, you see what happened with Bauer situation. Um, but in the same sense, like she's put together, you know, quite a lot of anecdotes, quite a lot of examples of like what he's actually done uh, in her situation, in another woman's situation. And then also has like verification of like, you know, the, the other woman she's talking about is like pretty much confirming her story. And then there's like a series of other women that have either dated Mike, known Mike, like known a friend who went out with Mike. And it's just like the deck is starting to stack up for this guy. Like, I don't want to sit here and be like, you know, uh, guilty be, you know, before, uh, you know, we kind of, prove him innocent or what, what have you. But like in a lot of these cases, like it takes a lot of courage for these women to like step up and actually say something because there's a lot of risk there. You know, it's like they could either be shamed, you know, they could, if they don't win, they could be abused again. You know, Mike could find, you know, in theory, and I'm not you know, trying to make this like his exact example, but you know, he could come back. I mean, he could come back in some sort of future situation there where, I mean, I think that would cause a lot of people fear, anxiety, especially like a public figure who makes a lot of money and, may have a little bit more power. Um, and who knows, you know, the type of personality it takes to like date a guy like that and to be with a guy like that and like stay there. So I think this kind of leads to like the, the second question or, or what have you, but like, you know, MLB, NFL, NBA, they all have their policies. I'm sure other major sports do as well for domestic violence yet like year after year, we're seeing cases like from the Ray Rice situation all the way through what Bauer did last year. And, you know, um, Miles uh, Bridges, you know, in the in the NBA kind of had, you know, a huge uh, story break. I mean, facing potential jail time hasn't been signed by an NBA team. It's just like, are there things a league can actually do to improve this situation versus like, you know, the administrative leave or taking away a year's pay or whatever it could be? Or like, do you think there's other policies that maybe they could put in place to like really start to make some sort of like systemic changes uh, when it comes to, you know, athletes and, and domestic violence? Yeah. No, there's a definitely a, I, mean, I feel like I'm just kind of reading more about the situation a little bit. Um, I think one thing, and I, I, I hope I'm getting my um, facts correct here, but it, it looks like there was uh, uh, Olivia Feinstitch, the, the woman that uh, you know, is alleging, I think, Mike Clevenger on, on this abuse, but uh, along with the child is, is that she actually filed it uh, with the MLB's Department of Investigations. I think the file came actually uh, uh, from this summer, this this previous summer in 2022 so it's like and then i believe uh Clevenger signed the contract uh, sometime in november uh so it's like you know if somebody is under investigation <laughs> things like that uh how do we reward him with a contract even if it's like alleged right even if it's you know false claim like again this is where i i guess go with the whole due, due diligence thing and definitely trying to be sympathetic and not just like oh how come the white Sox did this and signed this and all that but um kind of why did the white Sox go with this uh you know if they i assume that they would look into you know things like that right uh 
having some sort of contact with the MLB departments. Like, hey, is there any investigations happening uh, with this Mike Clevenger guy that we're looking to sign? Uh, things like that uh, could definitely, um, you know, help out with there. Um, in terms of, I guess, just, you know, pre, like, you know, when the, these athletes, right, they're oftentimes the, uh, I don't know, just most testosterone-filled individuals, and that's how they're, you know, oftentimes really good in their crafts, and that oftentimes then, you know, can lead to just, you know, un, I guess, uh, filtered or on, um, uh, uh, kind of exposing, I guess, trauma, right? A lot of these players, they've been through a lot of trauma in their lives, uh, whether it be, you know, single uh, parent households or just, you know, mental or phys physical abuse on their own, which oftentimes if you are one that experiences abuse, you're, you might actually act on it, uh, especially for a male. And that's kind of the unfortunate facts about that. So, um, you know, I definitely think things like, like mental health, uh, uh, which is becoming more prominent and, you know, it, I, I think getting that exposure to athletes early on, I, I think it's really helped, whether it be at the, you know, maybe more collegiate level or even the minor league type of things. I think those types of things could help. Um, you know, if sure a lot of the MLB or um, like the, the players associations from all the major sports leagues, I'm sure, I hope at least that they are, they do have some sort of, you know, psychologists and, and, and people of that nature to just, you know, for them to just uh, talk and, and, and open up with, uh, because I think one thing is that they are, uh, you know, again, we, whether we like it or not, we, a lot of kids look up to them and that's kind of the big, the big thing there. Um, not to say that, you know, uh, people are going to be looking up to Mike Clevenger for, you know, these things, but at the same time, it, it definitely is not a good, you know, look for, for the MLB. Um, and yeah, like other situations, you know, I think we've, you know, uh, have talked about or are aware of like things like with Michael Vick and dogs, things like that. Um, it definitely helps, I think, just to uh, have, I think, with the athletes opening up. Um, and then, you know, from the fan side, too, I think one thing we oftentimes place on athletes, right, is like they got to be these alpha males, like, you know, taking down people and things like that. Like, you know, kind of that Michael Jordan stereotype uh, where he's just like, you know, punching Steve Kerr is <laughs> this, you know, person that if they were in a regular work workforce, like, Oh, we're gonna put this person in anger management or fire them, right? I think that's that's typically what happens when you know people act out in that kind of behavior. So, um, you know, things like that I think can at least help out. Just you know the you know uh, taking down that the stigma, I guess, of mental health uh, and talking about you know your previous traumas and then being aware of all that. And you know, a lot of these players, their twenties, their thirties. I know I think Mike Clevenger is thirty-two. It's like there has to be some uh, you know idea of I guess maturing as you get older or even in your twenties, because you know, with all that money too, sometimes that can make people go a little crazy or think that they're above, you know, um, your average person essentially, uh, whether it be cognitive or not. So, um, but yeah, I think things like that can definitely help out, and just having honest conversations too. I think uh, amongst everybody um, that are you know is dealing with those types of things, uh, you know, athletes uh, from abuse and things like that that's happened in the past. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's a pretty good good way to put it. I mean, it's more like a carrot um approach versus like the stick i mean the stick in the situation is like hey you never play the sport again you never get paid etc but like what can we do more earlier on in the process when you're a prospect or you know i don't know if there's like a chance to even go to like the aau high school level but it's just like start creating you know these outlets for especially athletes because like you said they're geared toward you know beating the competition like being stronger being faster being tougher you know mentally physically etc so it's kind of like becomes you know, monster on its own just to get yourself to, you know, the, uh, the pinnacle level of whatever sport you're playing. So it's a mentality almost. Um, so I think that's, that's part of it. I mean, from the White Sox's, you know, point of view, I mean, the point about due diligence, the White Sox mentioned that they, uh, yeah, never heard about this. And like, that's just pretty, that's pretty sad. And then in some senses, I don't really buy it. Um, I mean, this is the same organization that hired, you know, Tony LaRusse after a DUI and, uh, you know, I just, I feel like this is starting to become part of their character, part of like what the organization is like willing to tolerate in a sense. It's maybe not what they promote, but, you know, I just think there's a lot of like brotherhood within the organization that's kind of not been rooted out. And it's part of the frustration. I think a lot of us fans have when you look at past players getting executive roles, you know, a lot of the same guys sitting in the same offices for a long time under, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf and such. And, um, you know, I just, I have a hard time buying it all. And, uh, you know, looking at Olivia's, um, you know, just just array of posts, I think the the funniest thing about it is like as much 
is she's willing to expose Mike for this whole situation, just like toss like damning amounts of evidence. And a lot of, you can definitely tell she's like emotional, passionate about, you know, how she's felt about how this guy's treated her, others, um, the children, especially, but it's like, even in all this, her final ask was like, I just hope the MLB, you know, will make it mandatory for him to get therapy to like go through the channels he needs to get better and then give him some sort of small suspension. She even said small suspension. So it's kind of like, even she's just like not wanting to absolutely like, you know, crucify this guy, which is uh shocking, but in the same sense, it's like, I think she's just still seeing it from like the human aspect of all this. And, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy as I was trying to think up like, you know, what could be a better way or mechanism to like get them to stop, you know, but you know, I don't think there are really like penalties you can throw on him after the fact. I mean, right now, Trevor Bauer's a free agent. He's done his time, but like nobody's touching him. And Ray Rice, his career went up in smoke. Like nobody heard from the guy ever again. And Miles Bridges, we'll just see if he makes his way back onto you know, an NBA court, but with just how big domestic violence is, is becoming in our society. And for good reasons. I mean, I think there's there's obviously been a lot of guys that have abused their positions of power and completely you know, uh, you know, done some very like damning things over the years to women and, and multiple women in that sense. So it's just like, it's nice to see that society starting to come around, especially in sports. It's just like, Hey, like we have a level of tolerance for, for certain things, but like this crosses like a pretty clear line. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I definitely see. And I think it's like the argument, I guess, like with sports and you know, how we treat athletes, right. It's like, we, you oftentimes herald them as you know, essentially gods, right? Like they are, you know, if, if this is like the Greek Roman time, right? Like they are the gladiators, uh, except instead of chopping each other's heads off, they're, you know, hitting a baseball or something like that, you know? So uh, they're definitely heralded in our own society. We, you know, we buy tickets for them. We, we buy their jerseys and then they're paid handsomely, even at the, you know, now college level. Now they're getting paid pretty handsomely so it's definitely i think a reflection of our society so that's in my opinion that's how we ought to be treating the the athletes and if we are to you know keep that reflection in in an ideal state or as ideal as possible i think that's certainly where we have to you know do things you know uh kind of chastise the people like trevor bauer that do these certain things and you know potentially mike clevenger what we did kind of with michael vick um at the same time though yeah, it is like if they did do the time, if if the court of justice, if all that, if they have, um, you know, uh, applied some sort of punitive damages towards uh, these athletes and they have done the time, I definitely am for the second chance. I think that is one thing that sometimes, you know, additionally, like our society, how we treat, you know, felons and convicts, it's like throw away the key. They're never, you know, going to do anything ever again get a job or anything like that that's definitely where i feel like you know as a, as a society we we ought to be open to second chances um you know maybe not all the time like you know serial killers things like that that might be a little bit different but obviously i think you know for you know things like with drug abuse uh things like things of that nature for sure uh i i, I am open towards i guess you know obviously trying to become a more forgiving society but um yeah. So if they are able to do the time that is applied to them from, you know, the court, the, the courts, uh, or even from the public areas, uh, or from the, you know, whatever the NFL, NBA, MLB, whatever they bestow on them, I'm most open to that as well. So uh, for their returns, but yeah, I, I think forgiveness too is important there. I do. And I, I, maybe to an extent, I feel like, you know, drugs and maybe petty theft or other sort of crimes, like I can, I can more or less look past. I think like there is some level of uh, like despicableness, if that's even a word, like when I look at somebody who's abusing women or children, any sort of way. And it's like, yeah, I, I'm, it's like, I think at the end of the day, you know, the penalties have been removed and it's just like now the free market can decide like, do we want you putting on our Jersey? Do we want you representing our city? Do we want you speaking at press conferences, promoting products, you know, <laughs> wearing our stuff? And it's like, if the answer is no, it's like, Hey, Trevor Bauer, you're still a millionaire. Tre you know, uh, miles bridges, you can still rap and you still got, you know, double digit, you know, millions in the bank. It's like, Hey man, you've made bank. You you've earned it. Um, but 
when it comes to today and like what we want and what, you know, image we're trying to, you know, put forward to our fan base and et cetera. It's like, yeah, I think if you cross a certain amount of lines, you know, there's, it's going to be very hard for you to just, just get that opportunity um, again. And uh, you know, maybe these guys end up overseas, maybe they end up somewhere else for a while just to like kind of prove it and uh, you know, give it a test run of like how they may look uh, in another league in another context. And like, if they want to bring them back in a few years, like, yeah, then maybe, maybe I'd be like able to see them kind of settle in. I'd hope there'd be like some sort of, you know, commitment to therapy or uh, community service for, you know, whatever sort of crime they've done, like maybe kind of cater it to that kind of community service, like showing that they're like dedicated to changing in a lot of ways. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I guess the other thing too, I think when you were talking about the Greek gods aspect of it all, it's like, now that we incorporate gambling, you know, back into, you know, society and it's like socially acceptable, especially around sports and, you know, they're putting sports books in like all these arenas like around the league. I think Washington commanders, like maybe are the first NFL team or, you know, one of the few that actually like establishes sports book there. It's like, these guys are essentially like CEOs because there's just more money just pouring into this game from, you know, the gambling aspects, from ticket revenue, from, you know, broadcasting uh, rights deals and stuff where it's just like, Hey man, like, yes, you are a ball player, but like you are a multimillionaire and it's like, you need to like seriously toe the line. Like you're a corporate exec because you can't make any more sort of mistakes. And yeah, that's a ton of pressure to put on anybody. Uh, but there are a lot of, uh, you know, responsibilities, I guess that come with like that kind of uh, privilege. Yeah, for sure. It, it is something I think that, you know, uh, some athletes are just a lot more prepared than others. And there definitely is, I think, you know, that advantage of you know, having either a parent or uh, some sort of friend that was uh, or brother to uh, that has been a professional athlete. Uh, we've seen it time and time again. And, you know, like when we're talking about Steph Curry or even Kobe Bryant, right. Um, you know, those players, they had family that were professional athletes, athletes before, um, Oftentimes, yeah, it is, you know, pretty hard when you do coming from like a, a very damning family background. You know, we, you know, uh, we, we see, I guess, what happened, I guess, with, you know, LeBron James, even like he he's he's, I think, one example of someone's like, you know, came from, you know, a low income uh, household, just single, single mom, single parent there. I uh, didn't really know have his dad around. But, you know, you look at him now, I guess he definitely has like this pristine, like family guy type of image and is making movies and is one of the richest athletes out there now. So, um, you know, things like that can happen, but oftentimes, yeah, if you come from a hard life background and you're all of a sudden give millions of dollars, like oftentimes, what do we expect to, to, you know, to occur? And, and we, we see these things happen time and time again. So, um, yeah, definitely I'm all, all for, uh, athletes just having those conversations. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I did watch a little bit of, uh, was it Kwame Brown on the pivot actually, uh, was one of his, mo was one of the pivots, like most recent guests. And yeah, just hearing about him talking about, you know, his whole life and kind of his situation. Yeah. It oftentimes is hard for people to overcome those things that you don't see on the basketball court or on the field. Um, cause yeah, like, you know, I think once you hit a certain level of athleticism, sometimes it's honestly the mental parts that get, get to you. So, um, yeah, you know, hopefully uh, we see, I, I think things we're experiencing now, we're are going to see, uh, I'm hopeful at least that we'll be seeing overall, just better overall people uh, in, in the athletics, in the, in the athletic worlds overall. So, um, you know, I, I think we're hearing, at least I'm hearing that there's a lot more, you know, financial literacy and think, conversations like that happening a little bit more. So uh, people are just, athletes are becoming a little bit smarter with their money, things like that. So um, yeah, I think we, what we can do is just be hopeful of that, you know, things are working out or going the right direction there. Yeah. And I don't want to, uh, understate the fact of like where certain athletes come from, like their backgrounds or upbringings, like that definitely plays a huge part in all this too. Like there are cultural, you know, norm standards that, you know, may not take this as critically as seriously as like, you know, general society might, like when we went through the whole Adrian Peterson situation of him talking about, you know, how he's disciplined his son, you know, that was, that got a pretty ugly look. And I, you know, I can't recall exactly like if there was any sort of game suspension involved, I believe there was, but it was almost like by him just mentioning, like, this is what I grew up dealing with this is like how my father used to like discipline me. Like, this is kind of what I'm accustomed to is what my you know family has been accustomed to. It's kind of like, 
not that I agree with it, not that I truly accept that, but in the same sense, like I have to like at least acknowledge that that like there are different parts of society that you know don't have the same social services, don't have the same economic opportunities, maybe are militarized by law enforcement or you know live in communities that are kind of you know plagued by drug use, abuse, et cetera, where it's like, yeah, man, they may not have the right role models in that sense, and uh you know I can definitely play into a, a person's mind in general, like whether an athlete or not, but um. Yeah, I think that was a good point that you made because, um, yeah, everybody comes from from different backgrounds, good and bad. And, uh, yeah, um, you know, whatever happens with the situation with Mike, uh, with other athletes, um, I think one common thread that we definitely have here is, like, it's just important to identify it early on and see if, like, that particular person can get the kind of support they need so we can just, like, start to curb, like, the amount of cases, I think, that come from each one of our pro sports on athletes in domestic violence yeah for sure i think yeah as as long as we're moving the the right direction which i feel like we are and i'm I'm trying to be just just be hopeful about all that then uh i think better things are to come for the future there no doubt um so i guess with that um that's pretty much a wrap for the content for this episode but uh wayne did you have uh any final thoughts before we break yeah so uh i recently saw the movie uh the menu um okay. yeah it's on hbo max right now so that's where i saw it from but um i don't want to spoil it too much but they had uh you know it's kind of like this uh um kind of like a mock mock a mockery or like a satire if you will in a, in a, in a sense kind of like it's like the american psycho uh, except instead of the yuppieism that it's uh kind of making fun of it's actually like fine dining and that whole atmosphere um Again, I won't. I'll try not to spoil everything, but there's one scene with a really, really great looking cheeseburger, classic American cheeseburger. Um, uh, so, Pat, uh, the question for you is: uh, What or where uh, are your favorite cheeseburgers, and why? Man, great question. Just seriously, like you always come with the good zingers. Uh, First off, I've seen the trailer for the menu. It looks awesome. And I've actually seen that burger kind of making its rounds on Instagram about it being like the most copycatted burger right now in uh, in pop culture. But uh, in any case, uh, there was a place that I used to go to. I'm going to name two spots. First one is closed down. It used to be in Cincinnati. It was called Terry's Turf Club. And we went there on a whim just to like try their burgers because i think i read a, a review online and i was like what is this place and uh it was getting like national level reviews at the time and uh I, first off, i'll just say like terry's turf club closed because there was like some shady ownership stuff going on like check out some articles or something but like there's something went down over at terry's and like whatever it was but i'll just say my favorite kind of burger i think if i just had to like pick what's going to be on it like bacon blue cheese caramelized onions like really good quality beef wagyu whatever it is and then just a pretzel roll bun or just like something that really hold everything up like a brioche or something like that but i mean this burger was fat um i think they had a pretzel roll all the things i'm just talking about right now just super juicy but it just like i crushed the whole thing it was probably like a good pound on its own with you know some fries uh on the side too but like just maybe the most satisfying burger meal i've ever had um and the second one i'm gonna uh, maybe throw out there right now, uh, Kuma's Corner, Chicago. I'm going to throw it down for Kuma's because I just love the vibe. Like you kind of just walk in and it's just blaring like death metal in your ears. And it's just dark and you just got these rockers and hipsters and stuff. Like everyone's just kind of like sitting around and you got like the casual folk too, just like walking in from the other business, uh, you know, uh, you know, in general, but, uh, I just, I've always loved the vibe. I loved uh, kind of the buildup to the first time I ever went there. Um, again, watching tons of TV, reading a lot of reviews about Kumas and stuff. And uh, again, they do lead with the pretzel roll burger, but I feel like every single time I've been there, it's probably like less than two hands that I've been there. Um, I always got something different, whether it was like an egg on top or barbecue style or just something really funky. And it just never, ever disappointed. And uh it's 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 partially the vibe, but it's also just a really good burger, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I know. I love Kuma's Corner. I actually went there for my birthday last year, actually. Uh, it was just like me and a couple of guys. But yeah, whenever I go there, I, I usually get the Iron Maiden. I think that's my favorite. It's got like avocado, uh, cherry peppers, pepper jack, 
uh, chipotle mayo, lettuce, tomato, and red onion. I, 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 I'm on their website googling it and everything. So, uh, but, <laughs> not that you remembered, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not that I remember. I'm not that. I'm not. I'm not one of the like uh, people that on the menu or anything like that. Just name dropping all the ingredients and stuff. But no, like that's my favorite burger for sure. Um, I've had the Slayer, which I don't think it's even qualified the burger. It's like a hodgepodge of just meat, and I think there's like. Uh, cheese and fries and like sausage and stuff like that just it's, it's like a like more of like a casserole of just you know unhealthiness basically <laughs> so uh yeah I, I i definitely appreciate i think kuma's quarter there um other ones i guess in chicago that i like uh you know just a basic classic like no frills type of burger like classic just you know meat and um like cheese i think my favorite uh, the, the way that they do it, vibe too, is um, small Cheval in uh, Wicker Park. It's like aw Cheval, uh, except not as long of not as long as a wait. It's kind of like a fast, casual version of aw Cheval. Um, but yeah, there's a one in like Wicker Park. Nice, you know, a nice summer day. Uh, they got like, outside patio with some nice lighting and things like that. Uh, outside, um, you can just get that, and you know, you can have some shakes or just uh you know some beer or something like that too and really really delicious overall you know classic no frills doesn't need you know all the fancy stuff but um yeah i i definitely do agree with you i i if there's any type of like applewood bacon or something like that <laughs> on a burger oh i love that um an underrated burger uh thing that i had was actually a pear uh because i yeah i believe what somebody was explained this to me of how uh like citrusy or you know like a pear type of, of fruit if you will it'll um tenderize the burger a little bit and just also those juices just complement i think you know a little bit of sweet and fat or a little bit tart and fat so um uh yeah a nice like pear really pear as well uh i think <laughs> with, with the burger uh just adds more juice to it so uh yeah, yeah so yeah. Dude, I can keep talking about burgers, but uh, as far as like, <laughs> seriously, as far as like fruit is concerned, like I had, I had a burger once with like banana, peanut butter. I feel like maybe some maple syrup was like tossed on top. Another place in Chicago, the name is going over my head, but it was like trying to kind of compete with Kumas in a way. Um, I just, it was so rich and so like heavy. It wasn't that it tasted bad. It was just kind of like. I'm just so stuffed after eating half of this thing. That's like, I'm not gonna be able to get off the couch if I finish this thing right now, but uh, I'll throw out one more and then I'll just uh, shut up on burgers. But uh, vortex burger, if you're ever in Atlanta, um, it's a smaller local chain, but it's sit down. It's got a very like crass type of vibe. Like there's, you know, uh, half naked women stuff on the walls and like, it's, it's by design. It's not like an accident or anything. Like they're trying to be, kind of uncomfortable in the way they kind of set up the restaurant, but they were, they're big on skeleton skulls, like other Halloween type decor as well. So it's like a really funky vibe. But uh, speaking of like my favorite type of toppings, like they will actually take like an ice cream scooper of blue cheese and just drop like a scoop on top of the burger. So it's like, if you like that, if you love blue cheese, it's like a dream. Cause then you just like kind of smash the whole thing down. It's like covers the whole thing. But uh, I think they also toss some Buffalo sauce over the top. So it's kind of like, wings and burgers you know kind of coming together in a marriage but uh in any sense like awesome awesome question like i love, <laughs> I love talking about burgers and other sort of fast food for that matter yeah yeah one more uh burger name drop uh my my former roommate and friend uh kevin park uh, owns a burger joint in seattle um uh i remember every single time i would go hiking uh because uh, that's what you do in seattle i would come back and i'm like man i'm so damn hungry i would I wouldn't like eat anything like after the hike, like maybe a granola bar here and there, but I mostly won't, won't eat anything after a hike just so I can go to, to his place and grab a burger, uh, just burgers. Uh, it's, uh, there's one location and, uh, you village and there's also another, uh, or, or the Ave, I should say university Avenue. And then also, um, another location of Fremont close to the Fremont troll. So, uh, definitely check that place out. They got nice Korean burgers. Uh, I usually get like the bagogi burger actually, uh really really good especially you know if you're into like korean foods and burgers great combination i would say so definitely check that place out but yeah uh love burgers man and yeah go watch the menu too <laughs> yeah and this might be a shout out but maybe we'll have to get umami q to uh also make a burger <laughs> so 
Wayne, let's uh let's let's make this a call to action for them to start putting burgers on their on their menu too with the bon mis and other great things that uh Charles is cooking up. Oh yeah, yeah. I just had the honey butter fried chicken one. I, I think they they're they they're not doing it anymore. They did it, I think, last week, but oh man, it was so good. It was like a uh it was like a fried like brisket basically like brisket with some breading on it and had like a nice coleslaw and i think there's like a hint of mint in there too like all these different flavors is so good but um and i think i've talked like i love honey butter fried chicken like before you know charles made it cool with the mommy q honey honey butter fried chicken is like one of my favorite spots um the names kind of says it out just yeah you know again no frills delicious food uh and yeah like awesome fried chicken overall too but yeah with that brisket man uh that was that was a deadly combination so uh yeah shout out to charles yeah shout out to charles there that's awesome uh for my final thought i'm gonna bring the breakfast element into our show but uh last weekend i went to a uh local brewery for breakfast um they have you know they're a full brewery they have actually coffee drinks they do dessert drinks other stuff but they have breakfast lunch dinner there which is pretty unique for a lot of the breweries i've I've ever gone to i mean usually they'll have a menu but it's not really like the most expansive thing that you'll ever see but what the special element of this was is that they actually uh they do venison and they do other wild game and i ended up getting a a venison biscuit which is basically acted like a sausage biscuit with cheese and egg but really good cheddar the biscuit was huge and fluffy. It was about the size of a burger when I actually looked at it, but it was venison, cheddar, and then a very soft scrambled egg on top on the biscuit. Um, we tried other menu items of theirs as well, and I kind of paired it with a coffee-flavored beer, which was awesome. The place is called Caboose Brewing. Uh, it's out in Virginia. But the question that I had for you, Wayne, is wild game. What do you enjoy? What have you tried? What are maybe some things that you would recommend to our audience if they're they're willing to explore uh, the different types of meats that are available out there on this planet? That's a great question. Uh, different kinds of meats. Um, I mean, I I I know some people are a little bit hesitant on lamb, but I'm good with lamb. Not too gamey, but is a little gamey. That's like you know, uh, basic game, I guess, for some people. Uh, one thing I, I have tried, uh, I know a lot of people, I guess, equip, equivocated. So I guess, uh, chicken is crocodile. Um, I like a good crocodile. I, I think it's gotta be a little bit charred, uh, in my opinion, but cause it, it is a little bit soft, similar to chicken in that sense, but like a nice charred crocodile is, is so good. Um, you know, in a lot of, I guess, like Southeast Asian countries, they have like crocodile farms and, you know, there's a lot of crocodiles there and. Oh, there's some crocodile meat uh, too that they serve, or crocodile jerky. That's usually a good spot to get them uh, uh, for that. Um, I guess other ones, uh, you know, I've had ostrich before. That was actually pretty nice too. Uh, yeah, get a little bit on the gamey side, but still like really, really solid. Um, yeah, uh, you know, maybe not a good old fashioned chicken breast, but still, I think, you know, pretty applicable there. Um, I have had monkey intestines before. That's okay, but you know, uh, yeah, it, it, I, I feel like it's much more interesting saying that you ate like monkey brains or monkey intestines or something like that than actually eating it. It's just not as fat, right? So, uh, but yeah, I definitely like a good crocodile. I would say. No, it sounds pretty good. I'm I'm that kind of front. Uh, I will say that I had some really good frog legs in Phoenix. I don't know if that's everyone's like cup of tea, but like you're saying on maybe stage one, stage two of where you want to go with wild game. I feel like frog legs and some butter, it just tastes like some really tender chicken. I mean, it was pretty delicious. Um, when in Argentina uh, for a study abroad at DePaul, uh, I tried wild boar, which again, kind of common if you look at, you know, menus around town at like, you know, specialty uh, restaurants, burger spots, whatever that may, you know, touch on some wild game like buffalo or something like that. But wild boar has like a pork belly bacon type quality too, where it's just succulent, like, really salty but but also really good and uh it's actually a pretty funny story and may lead into part of my final thought but uh on the negative side um on the same trip abroad to argentina and chile i believe it was in argentina but um one of my professors uh luis lorea at the time uh basically asked me to try something that was on the table and i asked him he's like just just try it and uh 
came over to me. It looked like black beans and uh, basically just stuck my spoon in without, you know, really giving one and, uh, and tried it. And it just literally tasted like blood and lead and you know, things that just, you probably shouldn't eat. And uh, I just looked over and he uh, was pretty much uh, laughing in complete silence, but looked like he was about to tear up just as how funny it was based on my own reaction. But uh, I tried uh, cow's brains uh, while in Argentina. <laughs> it was just, yeah, seriously, one of the most disgusting things. But uh, I guess I bring that up in part because uh, you know our professor, who uh, I believe Wayne had too, but Luis Larea had passed away uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, you know, great guy, great teacher, really practiced the Socratic method, but uh, also just a huge uh, Bulls fan in general, and somebody I would always kind of talk basketball with while in school, and then a little bit after uh, graduating too, I kept in touch with them for for quite a bit of time, but. Uh, was sad to see him go. Um, this was weeks ago now, but I uh, just wanted to say rest in peace officially to Luis. And uh, yeah, if there's any sort of connections uh, for anybody listening or anything like that, just uh, I'm sure you can all uh, get behind uh, who Luis was. And uh, if there was ever family listening to this, I just my condolences and what a great guy he was. Yeah, shout out to the yeah the integrated uh, marketing <laughs> IME uh, out there at DePaul University. But yeah, Larea, great guy. Uh, always a, a fun person to just talk with and hear his life stories. Love, definitely a fulfilling life, I would say. Um, so yeah, definitely rest in power uh, to him and his and, and yeah, condolences to the family there. So, well, for sure, uh, great episode, uh, expansive. Uh, we'll be diced up into different parts, but uh, again, if you're on YouTube listening right now, throw us a like, uh, leave us some comments based on what you heard. Uh, any follows, reviews anywhere uh, are always great. And uh, we look forward to next time.